What is going on, Sandals Church? Look at that, you made it. It is so good to see you. My name is Jeff and I'm your online campus pastor. Thanks so much for being here and tuning in. We're so glad you're here. In fact, we hear all the time that people find us because someone they knew shared this service with them. So right now you can hit share so others can discover our vision of what it means to be real. Also, we'd love to hear where you're watching from. So let us know. We get people from all over the world and where you are is just as important. So let us know in the comments. But right now, let's jump into worship with our worship team. Welcome Sandals Church Online family. We are so glad that you guys are here worshiping and learning with us today. Hey, if worship has become something that's muscle memory or routine to you, maybe a little dull, what I wanna remind you today is that God has rescued us. He has sent his son to show us what hope is, to show us what truth is, to bring us into life. So let's worship him this morning. Here we go. My soul remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the
as always, what a powerful time of singing and worship. I love getting to worship with all of you as we are connected from all over the world right here online. Did you know that we are launching Sandals Church Anywhere locations all over the world? Which means that there are many people that are getting the chance to have a Sandals Church in their very own home or business. We have loved getting to do this with people. As word gets out, we've also discovered that there are many of you who are local to one of our Southern California campuses who may love this same experience. Maybe your group is meeting a person, but you're just not ready to come back to campus yet. This smaller environment might just be the perfect fit for you. We want you to know that we care about you and we want to invite you to become a Sandals Church Anywhere location so we can equip you to experience the best of Sandals Church in your own home. If you're not in a group, maybe now is the time to start one with other people you know who want to watch the services together. Whether you're an existing group taking this next step or you might want something new and start something new, this is a great new option to get back to church. We know the practice of gathering together drives the life change that we seek. If this is a time for you, if you know this is something for you, you can let me know by going to sandalschurch.com anywhere. And listen, the reason why we're able to launch so many Sandals Church Anywhere locations is because of your giving. Thank you so much for giving to this mission of launching Sandals Church Anywhere locations. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing, you can go to give.se or give in our app. Well, today, Pastor Matt is continuing in our series called Election, and this series is too good. Not only that, but each week, Pastor Matt is continuing to answer your questions on his podcast, The Debrief, when it comes to the election, politics, and faith. This week, he will answer your questions when it comes to what the scripture says about politics. So ask away by going to move.se forward slash ask. Now, let's get ready to jump into the message with Pastor Matt. Hey guys, thank you. Thank you. Man, I am so glad that you are joining us here at Sandals Church. Super excited. Thank you so much for those of you who've been a part of all three weeks of we, as we've taken this difficult conversation about politics and tried to see it through the eyes of God. Today we're going to talk about, I think, what really all of us want to know. And that's whose side is God on, right? Is God a Republican? Is God a Democrat? Is God an independent? Or is God confused like you? That's what we all want to know. A couple of years ago, Tammy and I had the opportunity to go to the White House. We were invited by the president to sit down and talk about religion and ethics. And I was super excited to go. And ultimately, it didn't work out. We didn't get to meet with the president. But we did get to go to Washington, D.C. And I was so moved by our nation's history, by our nation's capital. And I was particularly moved by one of our presidents, I believe the greatest president in our nation's history, Abraham Lincoln. The reality is Tammy and I got to stay in the Willard Hotel, an incredible, fantastic hotel. It's an old hotel, so old, we couldn't get our hot water to work. And the hotel suggestion was that we turn the hot water on a half an hour before we wanted to use it. That was their helpful suggestion as we were freezing in Washington, DC. 
but we love staying there. And one of the things I love about this hotel is its history. The Reverend Martin Luther King penned his great and famous sermon, I Have a Dream. He wrote it in that hotel before he delivered it to our nation. Uh, President Lincoln was a favorite there. He stayed in there for 10 nights before he took office. Matter of fact, it was one of the places where he and Grant, the general of the, the, the head of the, the Union armies, literally he and uh, President Lincoln would sit in the lobby of the Willard Hotel and they would have drinks, drink brandy, smoke cigars, and talk about the war's events. People figured this out. And they would join them in the lobby and try to persuade them to their political, social ideas and persuasions. And that's where the term lobbyist comes from. It comes from that hotel and what took place there. So I was, I was just amazed by Lincoln. I was moved by his life, by his vision, by his love for our country, and by his dreams and hope of us finally being able to live together and make it work. I went to the Ford Theater. I saw the seat in which he sat when he was shot, trying to have a night out with his wife. I went to his memorial and I read his speeches. And if you ever get a chance, I wanna encourage you to go to the Lincoln Memorial and I want you to read his words. As you approach the Lincoln Memorial, there's a speech on the left and there's a speech on the right. And Tammy and I made our way up to the steps to see the gigantic, incredibly beautiful statue of Abraham Lincoln, who was not a good looking man, but it is an impressive statue. <laughs> and I looked at his words to the right and I began to read them. And some of those words I will never, ever forget because Lincoln was a great man, but he was a torn man because he led a very, very torn country. And he tried to lead us through our darkest times. And here's what Lincoln said. This is his second inaugural address. He had just been elected to his second term as president. And this was his speech as he reflects upon the war that America found itself in. Listen to these words. Neither party expected the war or the magnitude or the duration which it has already attained. You see, both the North and the South were incredibly shocked that they had moved from rhetoric to bullets. And I want you to know that now more than ever, I think our nation is closer than we've ever been since those moments from moving from words to bullets. And we need to listen to what Lincoln said. Listen to these words. He said, both read the same Bible. Both pray to the same God and both invokes his aid against the other. These are his words. Here's what he said in his second inaugural address. The prayers of both cannot be answered. The almighty has his own purposes. And so still it must be said that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous and altogether. You see, Lincoln was convinced that the death toll because of the Civil War was in direct correlation to the sin of America for slavery. He thought it was God's judgment against us for what we had done. And God would bring about that toll left and right for America's departure from what they knew to be true. And I just want you to know that I believe the hope for our country doesn't rest in the left. It doesn't rest in the right, but it rests in a revival of us turning once again to God. And so many of you are wrestling with this question, whose side is God on? And I want you to know that Joshua had the same question. Joshua had the same wonders. Joshua had the same fears. And so we find ourselves in Joshua chapter five, where, where the scriptures, the holy word of God will shock you with what God says about whose side he's on. We look at Joshua chapter five, Joshua is on the outskirts of Jericho. Jericho is a walled city, a defended city. There are professional soldiers and militia within this city. Joshua is overseeing an army of a bunch of country bumpkins. 
okay? They don't know how to do anything. They don't even know how to feed themselves. God has been feeding them manna for 40 years. These people are fat and lazy and they don't know what to do. And he's gonna take this walled city. It says, now when Jericho was near, when Joshua, excuse me, was near Jericho, it says he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him. A man he didn't know, a man he didn't recognize, a man he'd never seen before, and this is crucial. And this man has a drawn sword in his hand. And so Joshua's the warrior, Joshua's the fighter. So what does it say? He went up to him, he got in his face, that's what the Hebrew says. And he says, are you for us or our enemies, right? This is every one of our question. Are you for me or are you against me? I need to know which side are you on? Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Do you wear the blue tie or you do, wear the, do you wear the red tie? And listen to what this man says. He says, I'm not on either side. He says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, this is important. This is huge. You see, Joshua, for the first time in his life, met God. I believe not only has he met God, I believe he just met Jesus, the commander of the Lord's armies. Isn't it interesting that Joshua has the name of God, but he's never met God? Right? Simply because somebody has the name Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. If your name is Jesus, it doesn't mean you know Jesus. You might know the name of God, but you don't know God. And then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, come on, Sandals Church, can I get an amen? Take off your sandals. Amen. Right, we were, we've been there since the beginning. <laughs> for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So let me ask you, Whose side is God on? Whose side is he on? And here's the answer, neither. Neither. God is always on his side. The book of Isaiah says this. this is one of my favorite passages. Some of you are like, I don't understand. God's so clearly on my side. The other side is so clearly evil. God, what are you doing? Here's God's answer. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. And neither are my ways, your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let me tell you something. The day you don't get God may be the first day you actually do get God. He doesn't have to consult you. He doesn't have to run it by you. He's got his own plan. Joshua wants to know, are you a Democrat or a Republican? And God says, I am neither. I have a different mission. But Lord, there's a battle. There are consequences. God, we're your people. God, we're your country. Joshua leads the people of God. Joshua is the lead Jew. God chose the Jews. God chose the Jewish people. God told them to attack Jericho. So of course God's on their side, right? Wrong. Why? His thoughts aren't your thoughts. His ways aren't your ways. He's fighting a different battle. Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. And by the way, the church of Philippians is the most political church in the early church. They are a bunch of retired military professionals, right? They salute. That's who the Philippians are. And Paul says, for I have told you often. What does that mean? He's talked about it over and over again. I've told you often, as I've said before, and I say it again. And most of you have read this scripture and never thought about it. He said, I say it with tears in my eyes. That there are many of those 
who conduct themselves and show they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. They only think about this life here on earth. But we, Paul says, we're not Philippians, we're not Romans, we're not Americans, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, we're not independent. We are citizens of heaven Amen. where the Lord Jesus Christ is king. Amen. And we eagerly await for him to return as our savior. Some of you are so mad at me because you want church. You want church to root for your political side. You want church to root for you, right? You want me to get on the Trump train or the Biden bus. You want me to choose. God wants you to know that he's got his own mission. He doesn't ride a bus. He's not on a train. He's on a horse. He's on a horse and he's coming for us. Paul says, I need to remind you, I want you to notice here, he's had to say it over and over again, just like I've had to say so many to so many of you, my blogger friends, my Facebook friends, my Twitter friends. You're so caught up in this world, you've forgotten the next world. Listen to me, Paul says to you, to the Christian political activists, he says to you, you might be winning votes, but you may be losing souls. Do you know that President Lincoln was asked by a reporter, whose side is God on? Is God on the side of the North? Is God on the side of the South? And so many of you say, well, very clearly God's on the side of the North, right? Because it's easy to look at history and judge right from wrong. It's really, really hard to judge our present reality. This is Abraham Lincoln's response. It is not is God on my side, that's the question, but is it that I am on God's side? You see, here's what Joshua has to figure out. Joshua wants to know, God, whose side are you on? God wants to know whose side you're on. Joshua, you're not the commander of the Lord's army. I am. I am, and I have a different mission. Whose side are you on? Whose side do you choose? Whose side do you look after? Whose side do you care for? And here's the truth. So many of you are far more political than you are spiritual. And that's a fact. And if that doesn't offend you even slightly, you're probably not real with yourself, God or others. Whose side are you on? Even Abraham Lincoln had the wisdom to understand that our passions can become more powerful than our convictions. And Lincoln was so careful so careful to make sure that he was on God's side, not that God was on his side. Because we've seen in our lifetime, people in the name of God do greatly horrendous and evil things, believing that God is pleased with their act of evil. And God is not pleased. So let me ask you this question, whose side are you on? And some of you believe, well, I'm on God's side. Of course I'm on God's side. I'm a Republican. Of course I'm on God's side. I'm an immigrant. Of course I'm on God's side. I'm enlightened. I'm an independent. And I think for myself. I want you to know that you need to choose a side. And the two sides are not Republican or Democrat. Those are false choices. The the, here's, the, here's the truth. The choice is your side or God's side. Those are the choices. And this is the mistake we make. Even when many of us become Christians, we invite God in our heart. Listen, the gospel is God inviting you into his heart. So where are you headed? Where are you going? I choose God's side by choosing 
by choosing to worship him. You see, Joshua had the name of God, but he'd never actually met God. The scriptures tell us that Moses knew God face to face. The scriptures tell us Moses met God, walked with God, saw God. The scriptures tell us that Moses received the commandments from God. Joshua had never actually met him. He has the name of God, but he doesn't know God. Some of you call yourself a Christian. Some of you believed your whole life you're a Christian. Let me ask you this self. Have you ever fallen on your face before God and confessed your sin? If you haven't, then you haven't met God. What was raised in the church? So was Joshua. So was Joshua. Well, I'm a good person. Were you better than Joshua? Were you more of a servant than Joshua? Joshua worked very, very hard his whole life to do the right thing, but he too has to fall on his face before God. People ask me all the time, well, do you think Donald Trump's a Christian? I don't know. I don't know him. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? I got good news for you. On judgment day, you won't be held accountable for Donald Trump, but you will be held accountable for yourself. Joshua 5.13, then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence. All oh, some of you, man. You get so choked up, right, when the national anthem plays. And look, man, I love my country. I do. But you won't ever get choked up when we worship God. You got no time for worship. Some of you, you revere the flag and you despise your God. Some of you have convinced yourself you're a worshiper. Let me tell you something. If worshiping God doesn't change you, then it's not worship. Joshua saw the man of God and he was ready to fight. And then he met the son of God and he fell on his face. And let me be honest. Some of you, you believe. You believe that you've chosen God. And let me tell you something. At every single event I've spoken at that involves politics, whether led by a Democrat or a Republican, it is, all, it is always God first, then country. Always. And some of you have got it reversed. Some of us worship country first. So what does that say to the people we're trying to lead to Christ who live in India, who live in China, who live in a communist country? What does that say to people who desperately need God? Do they have to become an American to follow Jesus? Listen, I love my country. I care for my country. Listen to these words. I read these words and these words move me. And if they don't move you, you're dead. Abraham Lincoln, he looked on the eve of a battlefield. He looked at Southerners and Northerners dead. Do you know that I have family members that were on both sides? And these were his words. Our kids used to have to memorize this. Now we make fun of it. Abraham Lincoln looked at a battlefield and he looked at dead bodies. He looked at mass graves. He looked at the smell. He, he smelled death and he just looked at rotting corpses and he said these words. Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty. Conceived in liberty. I know some of you young people, you've been raised and you've been taught that America was birthed on the idea of slavery. I want you to know that's false. America was birthed on the idea of liberty and Lincoln and Luther remind us of those truths. Amen. The problem has never been the constitution. The problem has been our unwillingness to live up to its values and its truth. This nation was conceived in liberty. Oh, they didn't live it out and oh, it was fake. 
but they were dedicated to the proposition, listen to these words, that all men were created equal. And where did that idea come from? Some of you woke young people, you think it's always been an idea. But it was a Christian named John Locke who said that all men are created equal. It's, just, it's not just the king who has rights, God's people have rights. And those rights don't come from a government, they come from God. And a government that is for the people and by the people has to submit to God. And Abraham Lincoln believed this. And now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation, listen to these words, or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. Liberty sounds great, but it's hard to live. He says, we are met on the great battlefield of that war. And we have come to dedicate a portion of this field. I love these words. I memorized this in the fourth grade as the final resting place for those who gave their lives that this nation might live. Do you know why so, so many of us hate America? Because we didn't have to fight for it. We didn't have to build it. We're like spoiled children arguing over the fruits of our, our, our forefathers' sweat, blood, and tears. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this, but in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract. Can you believe he wrote these words on a train, on an envelope? He said the world will little note, nor long remember what we say here. Some of you have never even heard these words but it can never forget what they did here. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to, listen to these words, to this. We are to be dedicated to the unfinished work which they fought here and have thus far so nobly advanced. Did the Civil War fix us? No. That's why Abraham Lincoln said there's an unfinished work. It is rather for us to be here, to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead, we will take increased devotion to the cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. Listen to these words, that this nation, under God, under God, shall have a new birth in freedom and that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Look, I love my country, but I worship God. Amen. Some of you, you give lip service to the fact that you, you love God, but you worship your country. There's nothing perfect about our country's history. We fail every day to the proposition that all men and women are created equal. We fail every day. God has never failed. Never once in his history has he failed to love you, to care for you, whether you're black or white, male or female. We are all, the scripture says, created in the image of God. Long before you had rights in America, God gave you rights from heaven, rights to be called a child of God and just as those men who died on that battlefield, many of you have forgotten what they died for, what they bled for. You have forgotten what Jesus died for and what Jesus bled for. Those men died so that we could have a country. Jesus died so you could have eternity. 
Some of you love your country. Some of you love your political party. Look, look, listen. I have political leanings. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But I have spiritual convictions. Some of you worship country. Some of you worship party. Some of you worship money. Some of you think there's never enough. That's why I'm a Republican. I've earned my money and I deserve it. Okay. It's funny to me. Both sides are arguing about money. Some think that you should keep what you've made and they think there's no limit on how much you should make. And then the others who are self-righteous think that the rich people should pay, you know, pay their fair share, but they get to decide what that is. Let me ask you this. Why is it greed to want to keep your money but not greed to take someone else's money? I think both the left and the right are screwed up. Because if you're all about money, you're not at all about God. Next, we have sexuality. Look, I'm a fan of sex. I'm appreciative that God invented it. I say, yay, God. But listen to me. I obey God. Some of you enjoy the church and you like the idea of God, but you obey your desires. And what you're fighting for is sexual freedom, but what ultimately will end up is eternal slavery. And some of you, well, I just worry about my children. I worship about my family. Look, I love my family. They are wonderful, beautiful people, but they are ugly, nasty gods. And some of you, what's wrong is you worship your family instead of God. You worship your kids instead of God. And don't even get me started on sports. Look, I, I, can't, I can't even watch sports anymore because I don't want to listen to political sermons. I want to watch incredible athletic performance. And that's why so many of you guys were like, well, you should be more political. You should take a side and ruin church. I want this to be the last place where, where somehow it can be fair and balanced in some way. And at the end, I don't want it to be fair and balanced. I want you on God's team. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Listen to these words and serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Let me just break this down for you. Conservatives, you want to worship the old gods. You want to go back. Liberals, you want to go forward. You want to worship the new gods. And you want to be done with everything that's in the past. Let me tell you something. We can't worship the past or the future. We got to worship God. You got to choose. You got to choose. Because let me tell you something, conservatives, there's some nasty stuff this country did to people. And you cannot worship the past and look at it authentically. And let me tell you something, liberals, all the things that you guys keep producing, all the things you keep making, I'm not particularly happy with a lot of your decisions. I'm not certain where you're taking us is the right place. I don't want to worship where you're taking us, and I don't want to worship the conservatives where they think we've been. I want to worship God. I want to worship God. And some of you are like, well, you got to take a stand. I am taking a stand. I'm taking a stand for Jesus. Amen. And the reason you don't like it is you've taken a stand somewhere else. And so we try to win votes and we lose souls and people are checking out of church just like people aren't watching sports. People don't come to church for politics. People come to church for God. And we need to give them that. Who are you going to worship? 
the God of your ancestors? Oh, the God of Amorites. They're both the wrong gods, whether the gods of the past or the gods of the future. Joshua said, I'm going to stick with Jesus. Who do you choose? Who do you choose today? Is it going to be the gods of the Amorites? Who's it going to be? Or will it be the gods in the land you live now? Listen to me, some of you young people, you think you're worshiping God, but what you're really worshiping is the political opinions of Hollywood and media. And let me just tell you something. Whenever I agree with Hollywood, I get nervous. Wait, wait, Hollywood thinks the same thing, right? I know I backslidden. I got to figure that out. <laughs> but as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. And praise God, in America, we can still worship God in the way we choose. Because I've been in countries where you don't get to do that. I've been in countries where we've told somebody about Jesus and some of our mission teams have been arrested, been detained, and the person who accepted Christ went to jail. I choose God's side by choosing an attitude of humility. What did Joshua do? Joshua 5.14, what message does the Lord have? Listen to these words for my, for my servant. Some of you say, well, I'm nobody's servant then you're not God's child. You're not God's child. One of the problems with our politics today is just the arrogance of everyone. Listen to the words of Jesus. Stop watching the debates. Listen to Jesus. Jesus called them and he said to them, he said, you know that those who are considered rulers, presidents, politicians, senators, judges, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. That's why politicians make you wear a mask, but they don't wear it. They don't care about your life. They care about their life. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's awful. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Listen to these words. Jesus says, but it will not be so with you. It will not be so with you. You are to be different. But whomever would be great among you, listen to these words, must be your servant. When I first became a Christian in college, I, I was raised in the church. I grew up in the church. I had an encounter with the living God where I fell on my face and I worshiped God. The very first verse I memorized were these words. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. It is seared in my mind and it is permanent in my heart. If you're not a servant, then you might not be saved. How can you worship a servant and not serve? How is it possible? Proverbs 16, 5 says, everyone who is arrogant, everyone who is arrogant in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. God hates arrogance. Be assured, he will not be gone punished. He will not. You're like, well, Donald Trump is the most arrogant person I've ever met. He is. He is. And all of you Democrats, all the Republicans, oh my gosh, I gotta find another church. Hold on, wait. <laughs> you Democrats, you, you constantly point out how, how Trump's arrogant. Yeah, he's arrogant like a Trump driver, truck, you know, like a truck driver. You know when he's cussing you out. Democrats, you cut us out, cuss us out in French. I don't know what you're saying. It sounds good until I Google it and I'm like, suck my blue. <laughs> right? I mean, I understand huge, bigly. When our Governor Newsom speaks, I'm like, what? What? 
We're all gonna contribute. Just say you're gonna tax us. Just say it. I want everyone to have equal opportunity to contribute. He's got his hand in your pocket. Listen, Paul says this. Remember the Philippians, the super political church? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. You know what's wrong with our political system? We elect people who will fight for us. Stand up for you. Give you benefits and give you things. That's not what we want. We don't want politicians who are manipulated by, by loud special interest groups. That's not what we want. That's what we have. That's what's wrong with our system. And whether they're Republican or Democrat, many of them are crooks. Crooks, and they lie to all of us, telling us all these things, and then they go do whatever they want. I've been in their meetings. That's why we don't take their money. We don't participate. I don't want to be owned. Don't just look out for your interests, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. You know what's wrong with America? Everybody wants what's best for them. I told you last week, we don't have one king. We have 340 million kings. And that's why we're a disaster. Sometimes you got to be willing to lose so everybody can win, or at least more people can win. And it's a tough situation. It's a give and take thing. That's why these politicians, they make all these promises of all these things they're going to do for you. Let me ask you one question. Did it work last time? Right, they're always promising us. More gifts, more things. I mean, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I've watched all the debates. I've not heard any of them talk about the cuts we desperately need to make as a country because we don't have the money. But that's not popular. So they talk about what they're gonna do for you. Listen, you should not just look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Choose humility, choose humility. And let me say this, if you're super sensitive to the arrogance of others, oftentimes all that reveals is the arrogance in you. Because many times in life, what's most offensive is the mirror. That was good. <laughs> Number four, in order to choose the side of God, I need to be obedient to God's commands. God says to Joshua, take off your sandals, but I'm preparing for war. We've got a fight coming on. I'm all dressed up for battle. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. Never forget these words. And Joshua said, but Lord, no. And Joshua did so. What would your life look like if you had just started listening? Like any parents out there, amen? I try to tell my kids, I want to bless you. I want your life to be good. You just need to listen. No, dad. No. In my infinite wisdom, me and all my friends have decided you're crazy. Okay. And you know what? I did the same thing to my parents. I mean, one of the things that's wrong with our society is we don't honor our mother and father. We make fun of them. If you don't believe me, watch Disney. You ever wonder why every parent on the Disney Channel is stupid? What we're teaching our children is they know what's best. And we wonder why nobody ever grows up. 1 Peter 5, 16, 1, 5, 16, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Listen to me, if you're a Christian, it's not just the ground that you're standing on that's holy, but you're called to be holy. Right. In what? In everything that you do. 
That means even as you engage in political debate and political discourse, you must be holy in everything you do. Oh, but they're shouting. They flip me off first. Okay, well, show me the verse where it says, when someone flips you off first, then you are allowed to flip them off as well. Actually, the Bible says the opposite. It says, do not repay evil for evil. That's what it says. Kill them with kindness. That's what the Bible says. And some of you are so riled about, up about Trump or Biden, but you act worse. You act worse. You now must be holy in everything you do, just as God, listen to this, who chose you. Remember that word? Boher, to choose. God chose you. Some of you, you're so concerned about who we're going to vote for for president, and you do nothing about the fact that God voted for you, and he sent his son to die for you on the cross. And the reason you're so anxious about this election is you fail to realize you've been elected. You've been chosen. And you're more worried about your ballot than you are the eternity of your soul. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. You know what that word means? It doesn't just mean perfect, it means different. Are you different or are you like everyone else? If you are like everyone else, then you are nothing like God. Are you holy? Are you different? And I know, especially if you're a young person, there's a lot of pressure to think like everybody else. Jesus never asks you to think like everybody else. He doesn't even ask you to think for yourself. He asks you to learn to think like him. Like him. So the next time somebody says, well, I've always thought, what they need to say is I've never thought like Jesus. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. It's difficult for me to maintain my cool. I get upset. I get angry at the things I see on TV, the things I hear on the radio. I get frustrated with both sides. I don't like things Trump says. I don't like things Biden says. Shoot, I don't like things I say. And you're like, amen, amen. <laughs> We have to work hard at living peaceably with others. If not, we will experience the same thing that Lincoln faced. And for those of you who are so sad, you say, well, America fought a war, but we never got it right. I believe that one of the reasons for that is because somebody put a bullet in the back of Lincoln's head. We killed our greatest shot at making this country live up to its ideals. And you know who did that? You know who shot Lincoln? A political activist, an actor, somebody who thought they knew better, somebody who was woke. And because of that, America never got it right. So the North won the war, but our nation lost its battle against racism. And that's what happens when we run to weapons and we don't try to use words. And we're dangerously close. And we as the church need to step back and help people chill out because we're still blessed to live in the United States of America. And for those of you who don't believe that, you've never traveled. You've never been somewhere else. And despite all of America's struggles and the work that America needs to do, I am blessed by God to live here. And so are you. Listen to what he says, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord.
I want you to know, many people ask me over the end times, I don't know. But I want you to know, I don't see the United States of America in the book of Revelation. I could be wrong, I just don't see it. The question is not whether or not the United States is in the book of Revelation. The question is not whether or not you're in heaven. Are you in heaven? It doesn't ultimately matter for all eternity where this nation goes. What matters is where you go. Where you go and you need to choose. Joshua made his choice. Joshua met God and worshiped God. Joshua met God and served God. Joshua met God and was obedient to God. And Joshua realized it's not about which side God is on, it's about which side Joshua was on. And I wanna encourage you guys, I truly believe this. The soul of America matters very little whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden is elected, the soul of America rests in the hands of the church and whether or not we bring in a great revival or not. If there's not a great revival in this country, I have very little faith in either side being in charge. Because Lincoln's hope was one nation, under God. And if we're not under God, it doesn't matter what our laws are. It doesn't matter whether there's a conservative or a liberal in the office. If we lose God, we've lost it all. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose to humble yourself. Choose to worship. Choose to obey. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. God, some of us are so angry, so upset, so frustrated. Let us take a step back and let us meet the commander of the Lord's army today and let us fall on our face. Let us serve and let us obey. We pray that in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. We pray, amen. Now that was a powerful message. I mean, come on somebody. There is no doubt that God spoke to Pastor Matt today and he is right. There is no question we all have a choice to make today. Becoming the person God made you to be and living a life of faith won't happen by accident. It will take intentional choices to get there. Pastor Matt mentioned, he mentioned that there was a time in his life when he had to choose to truly follow him. And I also was faced with a come to Jesus moment when I had to decide at 26, to really follow him and stop playing the game and get real with God. Maybe you've been living a life that was contrary, that's contrary to what you say you believe. And today, you need to choose to let others in and experience life change by starting a group. Or maybe today is the day you choose to hand your life over to Jesus, either again, come on, or for the very first time. No matter what your choice needs to be, we are here to walk with you, to help you to take that next step with you. You can go to sandalschurch.com next, and we would love to walk alongside you. We are about to enter into a time of worship, and I, and I wanna challenge you to choose to engage with God during this time. Don't, don't let it just happen in the background, but enter into this time and allow it to change you.
wherever you are, would you worship with us as we sing to Jesus right now?
Thank you so much for singing with us today. Make sure to join us again next week. Today has been good. I mean, it's been so good. Come on, can I get an amen? Where am my amen at? <laughs> I need my amen corner. I want you all to know that I am here because I want you to be real with yourself, God, and others. And I hope that this vision and this message today you will share with a friend because in times like these, this is a message we all need to hear because sharing this message could help people to discover who they need to be in Christ. So click that share button and make sure that you are back here next week as we continue in our series called Election. I wanna see you right back here. And until then, I want you to be the church, but don't just be the church, be the real church.